The battle of Britain is about to begin. And welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast to episode 69. So what are we going to talk about? I don't know. It really doesn't matter because it's episode 69. But hey, guess who's on tonight? We've got the whole crew back together again. We've got Brett, we've got Steve, and we've got Chris. Did we have a guy named Chris on the podcast? Does anyone remember that guy? What has he been doing? We used to. Yeah, we used to. Yeah, we used to. <laughs> Brett, how you doing? I'm doing good. Steve? Yeah, we're doing good. All right, Chris, you can talk again. Okay. So doing good. I'm sorry. I've been out of the loop. It's been crazy. So I'm I'm halfway to Europe. My wife is there. I'm in my parents' attic, not in the basement. So um so life is good. You and, belong um, in the yeah, basement. Halfway on the trip to Europe right now. Yeah, I they don't have a basement. It's it's Alabama. <laughs> well, I miss my basement. <laughs> yeah, there is no there are no basements in Alabama. <laughs> We could have basements, but you'd be swimming if you're down there in Phoenix City with a basement. Exactly. On the Chattahoochee. All right. Well, so let's see what's what's there to... Yeah, exactly. In the lovely Chattahoochee Swamp. I mean, river. Um, So let's see what there is to talk about. Uh, Lots of rumors coming out. We're going to talk about Midway because unlike some people who've been keeping mum, as they would say, across the pond, uh, I'm going to tell you what I know and and everyone else can kind of share their uh, their information of what they've heard. So let's talk about Midway. Now, I got to start it off with Steve. What is the bet with you and and John again? We got we got to recalibrate everyone to this. Yeah. So I know Black Friday is the date, right? So it's a if Midway is released for general purchase, if it is released for purchase, it is I owe John uh, a whole lot of foam for his airplanes to travel around with. I mean, like an exorbitant amount of foam. I forget exactly how much it is, but I, I remembered I being it's a lot. Pretty of foam. much every one seventy second plane he has to include like the freaking cat and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I, and if it doesn't get released, I believe I get a a thousand point bolt action army. Was the flip nice, side of nice. it? So. uh yeah, it's a, you know high roller, huh? It was yeah, yeah. You guys are the high rollers there. So the the rumors I've heard, and and I don't know if if you guys have heard the same or different. Uh, I heard the resin is actually in production as we speak, but I mean that's not like a small amount of resin to knock out because you figure if they make a thousand box sets, uh, that's twelve thousand little tiny airplanes. So. Uh, I, I think that resin is going to be in production for a while. <laughs> I, I saw somebody commenting on Facebook on that basic fact. I think it might have been Martin suggesting that Roger's probably done that much in a weekend, right? <laughs> exactly. That's that's a that's a long weekend's production for Roger. That's just his jets. Uh, but yeah, exactly. That's not even counting his uh, his you know the alternative uh, stuff, the Wonder Waffa stuff. But uh, yeah, so I've heard the resin's in production. Uh, 
what I've not seen, and, and this is kind of the genesis of the bet with Steve and John, we talked about it. Uh, I haven't seen a final version of the game rules without placeholders. I mean, like big pink sticker placeholders, like post-it notes saying, put picture here. Uh, and That's and, a final know. release copy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the one that still has the pink note there. Yeah, no shit. Uh, but but the the funny part of it is, if that isn't done yet, there's still some work to be done. There's still some models to be painted because once again, if they haven't run any of these off the resin, then they haven't made the studio models, then they haven't painted up the ones that go inside the rule book. I mean, it's just this this long litany of stuff that isn't done. I mean. I'm sure they have chits and counters. Okay, so they got 10,000 of those things probably sitting in, in Warlord's freaking bargain basement bin. But uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that isn't there. So that's that's at least what I've heard. Has anyone heard any different or any heard any other good rumors to throw in there? Yeah, I, th- I think we kind of – it's kind of all the same info. Uh, but, you know, the what does that mean? I mean, how fast could they churn that shit out? Uh, somewhere probably 90, 120 days, three, four months, you know, overnight – uh, production cranking all the crap out they've done it for other uh, other game systems because i've seen mythic america start to churn through and start to produce some of theirs i mean i know it's metal not resin no shit but it's the same studio crew working both sets of gear uh oh geez there's the vicious cat <laughs> chris's cat's coming to get us all and for those of you who aren't able to see the video chris has literally a minorly feral tiger that is <laughs> that is his cat tell us about your cat call her a general purpose lap leopard she is an egyptian mao she is my best buddy and she misses her mother terribly so she is checking out the video i picked her up therefore she's, she's crawling she's all over you the, exactly yes so because mama is not here yeah, she's like that doug guy's cool he's got cats we like him <laughs> uh, <laughs> everybody likes cat people all right well uh, yeah Anyway, exactly. Damn cat people. So, so I think we're you know, a couple months out, and and how are people going to know this? I mean, once again, it's obviously going to hit pre-order uh, at least two months before it shows up in people's hands. But if we figure, what happens if August is pre-order? So then August, September. That means October. People are are receiving the game. That's getting close to your your bet there. You know, so if we don't see something first, I part will of gladly August, shell out uh, seventy five bucks for it on Cyber Monday. No yeah, problem. Yeah. <laughs> so was the bet exactly that you would have it in your hands by ordering it through Warlord? Yeah, no, no, no demo, no demo version, no special orders. It has to be like you could go online, do a web search, and find vendors that have the midway box set. Yeah, I, I think I even threw him a bone and said, even if I um, went on the site and you know two weeks prior clicked buy, that it was not a pre-order, it was a buy, and it would still show up. So yeah, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the how that all shakes out. I, long story short, I think it's coming. I, th- I think the the wheels are churning slowly at Warlord. Does it mean that I totally trust Warlord? Hell no. But uh, I think that uh, that at least the wheels are churning. What's what's I guess more frustrating is that they have no less than four or five, now that I think of it, uh, social media and um, and customer service people, and yet none of them have any information to give us. So that tells me that, that you know, it's nothing but bad news right now. There's no good news. All right, so let's talk about some of the other stuff we've seen. Hey, what have we heard about card packs? That was another one that just totally slid by the ready room. No one said anything about card packs. What's up with card packs? I, I see Brett laughing there. Nobody wants to pitch in and give the good news? 
Do I have to be the guy? I don't. All I don't news? know. I don't really know the news. I've only heard the rumblings of it. I don't know if I missed a happy hour one week when John was talking about it or something. I don't. Yeah, John doesn't even know. I don't think. I mean, so the the long, the long sorted story of every time everyone, to include John and other warlord people and Andy and everyone has asked about card packs. Uh, everyone's been resoundingly told no. Well, then uh, that changed about two weeks ago. So. I'm not going to say it'll come out before Midway because <laughs> that would be a really stupid bet on my part. But there at least has been a olive branch, I guess I'll call it, back to Andy that said, hey, give us the list of the cards that you would want in this massive theater doctrine card pack. Um, I will manage expectations and say it did not have ace cards. It did not have a whole pack of trait cards. So if you had gone out and bought someone else's miniatures – you wouldn't have all the all the traits. But it at least was the key enablers that if you'd bought a bunch of Warlord crap and didn't have a box set or didn't want to buy the crap from other uh, people's stuff, uh, then you would, uh, you know, you'd have at least the, the Doctrine and the theater cards. That's progress, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's progress. So that's that I think is, is moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's a... Maybe it's a placebo sent to Andy to uh, to cause him to just shut up about it. Uh, because much like the Italians, where, where are the Italians? The Italians that we've seen renders of, the Italians we've seen the, the, the card information for. And anyone seen any Italian boxes? Nope, haven't seen those. So um, I'll, I'll kind of be the jerk here and say Warlord has a habit of sending a lot of information that never gets, uh, never gets turned into final um, product. So we'll see. Hopefully this card pack will come out for at least theater and doctrine cards. It'll be expensive, I think. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see, Steve. You and I have been betting as to how much uh, they'll charge for for all those cards. But I think it'll definitely be uh, something good for tournament players and then for people who don't want to buy every single airplane out there in a, a mad search for for some of the doctrine cards. Well, it's a huge step forward because there's been so much clamoring for card packs and it almost seemed like a reversal, really, just an acknowledgement that Card packs or something that we yeah. could have, right? An acknowledgement that the community might know what the community needs. That's crazy. <laughs> why, why would we let the community determine what they want? Yeah, I know. So one of those things. All right. So any other releases or other things you guys have seen out there coming up for Blood Red Skies, uh, either from Warlord or from anyone else? Man, can I, can I drop a few teasers for our ROC works here? Oh, you can. I wasn't going to put you on the spot, but I was going to go oh. get your big old badonkadonk out there. Your big yeah, butt airplane. I mean, we get there's some awesome stuff coming out. Um, I'm not supposed to do any spoilers, so if I could just you know drop a couple of hints. One of these planes has a movie about it. The movie might rhyme with uh, I don't know, Flemfish Schmelz or something like that. You know, so some I don't want to <laughs> ruin so anything, subtle. but. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, really spoil it, but we got some four-engine planes coming out, uh, some twin-engine, maybe dual boom-type planes coming out. Nice, uh, it's going nice. to be an exciting, exciting summer and early fall from ROC Works. That's for sure. This this well, bigger uh, plane's got to. I, I know be... we're a little behind. <laughs> we're behind in production on the lead pursuit side, so I'll just apologize to everybody who wants some of these things that they're not done yet. Aren't the, aren't those bigger planes a bit of a design challenge? Is you, like getting it all to fit in a single print, or do you do two parts, or how does that work? 
Uh, well, uh, Richard actually has some bigger printers that they're just one piece prints and I've seen, they, they look awesome. And then, uh, might release like a wings off version for people that are printing it at home so they can kind of print the wings separate and assemble them. And this one actually has, uh, if this plane had some ball turrets or defensive armaments that moved, uh, they are might potentially be like detachable so you can position them how you want to position them and stuff so really tried to go the extra that's the extra a that's a what if that that's that couldn't be what you guys have done that's a what if that's a pipe dream no one ever would have done that yeah no that's that's good to hear uh i'm excited for that i know uh part of the problem is uh our production guys are, are not spooled up for all that yet but we'll see how that works out obviously i want uh rich and the the roc team to succeed so i'm happy for people to order them and don't mind shipping them across the uh, across the Atlantic there. So that will be pretty neat. I know the SM79s have just dropped again. So nice work there. Um, those are pretty darn cool. Uh, and actually, I just I was even talking to Rich about those today. So I think there's a lot of new stuff that's coming out from the ROC works. Um, obviously modeled by none other than Steve Toth <laughs> and a couple other guys that are doing some good work as well. So thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Did you guys see those just lasered signs, the, uh, the aircraft recognition cards that kind of look like? Yeah. Yeah. Those are kind of cool. Yeah. And- I, you know, the first thing I thought of when I saw those were those newer cutting mats we've seen. I was like, oh man, if I had a cutting mat like that, that'd be awesome. I need a new cutting mat yeah, for my room, right? There, There's a lot of, a lot of cool uh, things that could come out that, uh, it'd be nice if Just Lasered would do that stuff, and then, or if we had someone in the U.S. that would do it as well. But yeah, that that wall art uh, and the foam toppers were pretty cool. So maybe Steve, there you go. You should offer aircraft recognition foam toppers for uh, for your fighter foams. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you Blue can Falcon. do that. You might get like your Facebook site shut down. All those German airplanes, though. You know, I don't know if <laughs> exactly. If <we> can, if... <laughs> You're not allowed to post any of that on Facebook. Okay, so let's uh, anything else that people have seen coming out besides the ROC Works uh, aircraft? If not, we'll just move on to events. So, uh, the next big event, at least for Lead Pursuit, is Twisted Lords, Oklahoma City, 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, I'll be out there all three days. Uh, our 3D printing team will be out there all three days. Additionally, there'll be a, a bunch of guys playing Blood Red Skies. We've got uh, game set up for Friday for the Midway games. Saturday is still tentatively the tournament. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I can kill the tournament and we'll go have fun playing a narrative game instead. Uh, then Sunday is Korea, probably bridges at Tokori, uh, assuming that all of the bridges and AAA and other things are all painted up. So we'll do that in 172nd scale, Big Red Skies or Big Alley, as John is so fond of calling it. Uh, and we'll also have some other mega alley stuff that we can play if people want to play with the smaller models. Uh, then the next month, 20 to 22 August, NashCon will be doing a tournament there on Saturday. Uh, more info to follow. Probably the sign-up for that will go on the Lead Pursuit site. Uh, just a couple discussions we've had with the uh, site organizers, and so they just kind of pushed that back to us. So we'll put the sign-up there. So if you're in the uh, southern U.S. area going to NashCon, you get to go place a bolt action or whatever. Save some time on Saturday and play a quick Blood Red Skies tournament. All right. Uh, Texas Broadsides is still going to the Lone Star Flight Museum, 22 to 24 October. Same weekend as Siege of Vicksburg. And Steve, why don't you tell us about your geography lesson, figuring out uh, if you're going to make it to Vicksburg? Well, I 100% am going to make it to Vicksburg. 
uh, I did have to take, you know, a little, a little ribbing. Uh, I just assumed, you know, I knew Vicksburg was a big civil war battle. I just assumed it was in Virginia because yeah, I mean, because that's where from, the whole war apparently took place. Yeah, that's place. where the whole war was. I mean, I'm from, I live like two hours north of Gettysburg. So if, if the battle wasn't Gettysburg, it happened in Virginia. And, you know, so for some reason I thought Vicksburg was in Virginia and I'd be driving there, but and and I think I'll be fine. And if you wonder why all of us from Alabama hate Pennsylvanians and Virginians, that's the reason. <laughs> it's like the whole war happened there. No, no, we're not just, <laughs> we have a larger theater of, of war than just Virginia yeah, and so Pennsylvania. Hey, I knew you learned something. New. If I remember correctly, Vicksburg was like a huge battle, though, wasn't it? Well, and the the part that I take away from Vicksburg is even the size of the battle and the inevitability of outcomes in Vicksburg. I just laughed that that was one of the classic uh, deception acts by the uh, by the Confederacy, where they kept using a small number of cannons and repositioning them around the battlefield to where the Union thought there was actually you know larger and more powerful Confederate artillery in place, and really it was like five cannon. So, but it is not but in Virginia. Again, so you learn something. It is new not every in day. Virginia. <laughs> it is in fact in Mississippi, <laughs> in the town of Vicksburg, Mississippi. <laughs> Should you have any questions? <laughs> All right. Well, enough of beating that dead horse and laughing at Steve. But the good thing is, it should be both of us. Should be you and I both there. Uh, because I have no plans to travel for any work travel uh, before November. So I think we'll be able to make that one happen. All right. So let's see here. We talked about Rock Prince uh, talked a little bit about Lead Pursuit Foam. Uh, obviously, people are still ordering a bunch of the different fighter foams. Uh, Steve, you've been doing a great job producing a variety of different sizes. I know we've produced some that fit the uh, fighting foam or the uh, the BFL uh, size uh, size foam, and so that works well for some of the uh, the pack series of cases. Plus, we've got the uh, six and twelve inch foams out there. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of put the shameless plug out there for the foams. Uh, if you really are tired of beating up your models and putting them in a uh, postal mailbox with, as as Steve said, uh, McDonald's wrappers holding them apart there, <laughs> John Russell, we're talking about you, then uh, then get a bunch of the six-inch foams. They're small. They're pretty easy to get a, a quick squadron of fighters in, and you can slowly expand with those over time. But that's enough for shameless plugs. Anything else in the way of new kit, things that people have seen out there that they want to buy or that they picked up recently that they want to talk about? Kickstarter for uh, Age of Dogfights, World War II. Ooh, I, yeah, I did not think of that. So you picked up the the print and play version. Of the of the World War One. Of the World War I. I got War the World I, War One. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know about it, it's not a miniatures game, but the way the game is written, uh, really cool movement, really cool dice rolling. It's just a really simple, easy, fun game, and it would be super easy to convert it to miniatures play, especially if you have some of those, uh, I forget where they're from, the donut magnets with the little ball bearing that you can like tilt right. and pivot. Right. Because that is a part of the game, the uh, up out going up and down and banking and whatnot is a part of it. Would make an awesome miniatures game if you haven't checked it out. It's called Age of Dogfights, and their World War II version is now on Kickstarter. Yeah, so it check should it be out. just on Kickstarter. Now the what happens is the stands change, right? So you like switch out the stand for the for the airplane if it's banking, if it's climbing, if it's doing whatever, right? Yeah. Yep. They have a couple of different stands and it's just a, it's like a flight stand, but the top of the flight stand isn't a miniature. It's like a little, like just a like top down a paper picture. Chair, like a card, yeah, yeah, like it's a, a cardboard, cardboard counter that yeah. counter that sticks on top of it. But if those are miniatures, I mean, that would be, 
I mean, just a really, it's a cool game the way it is now, the way it plays. And like I said, if you could turn it into miniatures, it, it'd be really sweet. Well, maybe there's another project for the Lead Pursuit podcast, as if we don't have enough damn projects. <laughs> speaking, wait, speaking of projects, how'd I let you guys off the hook? What the fuck? Hey, progress report. Brett, Steve, where the fuck is this campaign rule system <laughs> everyone keeps asking about? Well, I found my power cord from my laptop. Yeah, so there, there's progress. <laughs> there's that, but I'm taking some vacation this weekend, so, but I'm taking a little break from unpacking, but... Uh, I have I have sufficient floor space in my craft room or whatever to sit down with my easy to power laptop so Steve and I can start working on the thing and get our final draft done. And I really think we're close. I mean, maybe two weeks worth of sessions, maybe, and I think we're done. Okay, cool, good. Because I know I just a lot of people have been asking, and so I always feel bad because I, I want to kind of give the uh, the pat answer, the placebo, and keep everybody all happy. And then I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> just ask Brett. Right. Well, here's- <laughs> Ask Brett the difficult question. I, I said this in some other forums, and I guess it's okay to say it here too. The next milestone really isn't, in my mind, isn't this final wrap-up we have, because that's really very easy. I think just you know, changing some page numbers and stuff like that, and some final edits, not a big deal. The work is done. Uh, we just got to put that stuff in. The real milestone is going to be- you know, sitting in the smoke-filled conference room with smart people to figure out, okay, now how do we deliver this to the people that want to use it, right? I don't know what the I don't know what the right answer is for that. I don't know what the best way to get it out there is. You know, of course, we're borrowing heavily from uh, Warlord IP with with the notion that this is a you know game system or a uh, campaign system, certainly designed around their stuff. And I try to make all the appropriate acknowledgments in, in that uh, as in, in the writing of the thing. Uh, but, you know, somebody's going to have an interest in that and how do we best do that? So we'll figure that out. That'll be the next hurdle. And then actually getting it in a way where it's deliverable, right? So that somebody who's interested in playing a game with this thing can get their hands on it and do the damn thing. So that's the next milestone in my head. Nice. Well, looking forward to that. So now that I've no longer let you off the hook. All right, let's move on to the main topic. I mean, tonight's a little bit of a ramble and, you know, that's that shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, we're kind of catching up, getting back into the groove of things. Uh, literally, I think we still have three members of the podcast moving. Uh, so, I mean, one of them's going for overseas because because Chris is a quitter and just you know doesn't like us here in the U.S. anymore. Quitter, uh, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, so, a lot of stuff's been in flux, and for want of a power cord, I think we missed two weeks of of uh, recording. But that's all right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about looking. Yeah, exactly. It's all Brett's fault. We're just going to blame Brett. Uh, looking back on GOE, I don't want to dwell on an after action because I know we kind of already talked through that and we all pontificated about stuff. Um, but let's talk about dates for the future. So there's a couple constraints. I know we've floated around doing a February 2022 GOE because it's kind of an off time and kind of a dead dead period. Um We've also floated doing something, you know, March, April, maybe later. Uh, the 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 idea of pairing with bolt action nationals probably won't happen. Um, so we'll probably be still having another GOE. <laughs> Brett's all disappointed. He'll have to only play one game. Uh, but you know, the, the the fact is, I think bolt action nationals. There's a couple people competing to host that because uh, it's obviously a big high profile event. Uh, so. Our good idea may have fallen by the wayside, but uh, either way, February is a great time to go down to New Orleans. 
uh, as long as you either intentionally avoid or are there for uh, for Mardi Gras. But uh, we'll look to, to miss that by a weekend. <laughs> Uh, and then we will figure out what we're going to do for GOE. And it may slide to summer of, of 22. We'll see. We'll let people know. And I know we'll be obviously planning a lot of that ourselves. All right. Hobby progress. I've got zero done. Brett, I know you're putting a hobby room together. See anything else for hobby progress? Uh, if that counts. I mean, really the only hobby-ish progress is I've unpacked boxes in the room that I've eventually hope to have as my painting space. And it actually looks like a workable room. I mean, there's a definable desk surface and some storage kind of stuff. So yeah, you're, you're ahead of me then Steve, any hobby progress on your end other than designing models at the cyclic rate? Uh, I've been doing a little, little painting of just some random planes that I had left over and, uh, been kind of plugging away on some, uh, us paratrooper bolt action guys. So, uh, but other than that, just enjoying summer, man. We only get like two months out of the year you can be outside in Pennsylvania. So you got to enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go have your fun and enjoy that. Not sitting in your basement. You can sit in your basement for the rest of the time. All right. Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to ask Chris if he's had progress because I talked to him today and you haven't even broke out your Necromunda stuff to paint. So I've got, I've got <laughs> you're, two little you're... boxes here at the house that have stuff in it. They are getting broken out tomorrow. I finally got everything that needs to be taken care of in the moving realm of going to Europe, taken care of. My wife is situated right now in a temporary apartment in Germany. Freaking, we've got everything else going. So that stuff's going to finally be broken out. Use the air compressor a little bit. By the way, John Russell, shout out. The air compressor is coming your way. So um, as soon as I'm done with it here, um, it's going to get retired because I'm going to have to pick up a 221 when I get to Germany. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing some hobby stuff here over the next couple of weeks. So not going to be any airplanes, but definitely going to be getting some some miniatures on the table again, finally. my my All my stuff's been packed up. Our stuff's been in transit already for six weeks, and we've been told not to expect it because of COVID port craziness until sometime in October. Um, over in Europe. So I'm, oh, awesome. I'm down to, I'm oh, down geez. to literally <laughs> two tiny totes of hobby stuff that I'm going to us postal out of here when I fly, um, to catch on the other side. So that's, that's, that's what I'm going to have. The, mainly did the logistician over. in you have to explain to them that to get to Germany, you actually don't have to go through the Suez canal. It's dude, actually a straight shot across dude, the ocean. It was so funny. I called the lady from USAA to do the insurance and change everything over to Germany. And she said, um, so you're moving one vehicle to Germany. She said, when did they tell you it was going to be there? I said, well, it ships in July. And they said it would be there in, in six to eight weeks. And she literally laughed on the phone. She just laughed. She says, this is all I do is policies for American military. She goes, you may see your truck by Christmas. <laughs> she said, may. Yeah, exactly. So, so she said, tell your, wife, go, tell your wife to go ahead and lease a car, get a car over there, because don't expect to see your POV anytime soon. So. But yeah, Christine the has already car, been driving. It has not arrived at the port. Christine <laughs> there is no care. tracking. We cannot find it. <laughs> she's been driving her little rental that she got with her apartment all over the Audubon. First time she's ever been on the Audubon. She 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 told me the other day she had the car up to 105 miles per hour, and she was legal and just nice. thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So she's heading out to get a BMW here in the next couple of days. So we're we're doing good. It's just hobby progress is is going to be going to be slim for me for the next couple of weeks, but. We'll yeah, see. yeah, I was hoping to knock some out before uh, Twisted Lords because I needed to uh, get some post MIG alley aircraft done. But uh, we'll we'll see if that gets done. Hopefully, if the weather holds off, uh, that means if it or I should say if the weather doesn't hold off and it keeps raining, then I'll get some hobby done because I won't be working around the farm. 
I'm hoping to have at least two Necromunda gangs done by the time you get down here for oh, next nice. month, so that we can. Oh yeah. Oh, then test hey, place then, some of that. So, so hell yeah, because so I, I still have my Necromunda stuff that I haven't even assembled. So we yep. need to need to play that. So let's talk about what we're playing. I don't think anyone's played Blood Red Skies, not even virtually, uh, pretty much recently. The uh, I've been playing a lot of Hornet Leader and a little bit of Phantom Leader and one or two games of uh, Israeli Air Force Leader. Uh, and why is that? Hmm. Well, if people have been on uh, the Solitaire Wargaming or any of the DVG fan pages, you've seen uh, they're putting out a poll. They're like, well, would you rather have a game about MiGs called fulcrum leader or maybe flogger leader uh so i'm obviously working on a project for that uh that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun uh is it a reskin of hornet leader just with migs no it's not it's got a lot of the cool game mechanics um and of course with my sarcastic evil dark sense of humor uh that fits perfectly well with things like the soviet gulags and example political officers so <laughs> you can rest assured that uh, sending your pilots to the gulag might actually be fun and funny in a game that i help co-design so uh long story short i'm contributing a lot to that i think it's going to be a cool project and there should also be about the same time, a NATO version coming out. So I don't know whether it's going to be called Tornado Leader, Eagle Leader, Viper Leader, Fighting Falcon Leader. What a horrible name. Uh, something like that. But there's going to be a NATO equivalent that will come out. So we'll see. We'll see where that project goes. Uh, maybe I'll just get bored and stop working on it. But I've also been out there purchasing a couple games, taking a look at some uh, some other modern air, war com air warfare, if I can say that, games to play. Uh, I picked up two of them from uh, Polaris Games, Mock Speed Hunters and MIG Hunters. Uh, obviously, Mock Speed is all 1970s and on kind of things. MIG Hunters is Korea era uh, games. And, and that's an interesting one. I haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, I think Matt is going to be my victim for that. And we're going to play a, a couple rounds since he has uh, some, some miniatures that he's uh, whipped up for modern era stuff. Uh, but kind of the interesting one that I've picked up that's that's the most unique is Missile Threat from Ostfront Games. And Brett, Steve, Chris, any of you guys seen any of the battle reports on Missile Front out there? Missile Threat? No, out there? I haven't. It's it's kind of cool because rather than just being about uh, the aircraft, it really integrates uh, ships, submarines, uh, ground forces, and kind of in a in a little bit of a not truly force on force, but uh, where they they actually do something other than just be cooperative targets for your airplanes. Uh, so it's kind of cool. Uh, I, you know, I will say there's there's some things that are really counterintuitive about how the system works, um, but it, it looks like the the designers also done a really good job to try to simplify things, make games move fast. Uh, and Matt will also be my victim on on playing through that because they say it should be uh, you know able to be played in about an hour hour and a half. Uh, with a you know handful of aircraft, so it's not like check your six, uh, where four hours later you're finally done with your six airplane battle. Um, it uh, it's super simplified, but it looks like it should be pretty fun. I've seen I forget what the name of it was. You and Scott were playing it at Goe Red. Oh, Storm. Red Storm. Yeah, I've seen I, that I getting you, a lot of traction in some of the Facebook groups. I I like Red Storm. I think you know I, I'm always a sucker for hex encounter games just because it's a throwback nostalgia. Um, but I think that game, if you modified it with miniatures, you know, because it's easier to put tokens around miniatures than a bunch of stacks of counters underneath, you know, one flight counter. Um, I think that would be a fun game to play. And it would it would be pretty easy to translate that to a miniatures game. Uh, and I think it also would look cooler that way because now you have 
the Russian hordes, you know, flying over the the border between East and West Germany and things like that. Um, but that was that was kind of fun because it you could tell it was written by people that knew their way around aviation. Um, but like a lot of things, oh my god, it's it's suddenly got super complex as you're playing through it. But but it's fun, you know. So I think it's so is I know it Scott like and I are going to play it again. Boots and saddles. No, 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 no. It's okay. um, I think the the best way to describe it because uh, it's even got a planning phase. You have to kind of like plan where your aircraft are going to ingress from, what their routes are going to be. Um, so, but it's it's pretty cool. But it's it's I guess if you did a fixed wing version of boots and saddles and and added all the crazy planning crap on top of it, then it, it would be a lot like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm still looking for a copy of boots and saddles. Do you have one? I do. It's somewhere on a boat <laughs> <laughs> damn it yeah, we were talking the other day about uh old cool gdw games and there was uh, boots and saddles and i forget the uh there were a couple other um cool uh world war three type uh type games they had so well, let's talk a little bit about hobby space setup i'm not going to talk about mine because mine's still freaking virtual plans i'm going to tee up uh, first of all, not not to Brett, not the man who's actually setting his up uh, there in his house as we speak. Steve, tell us a little bit about uh, at least your setup. And I know you've been doing some modifiers and doing some repairs. You know, you obviously had to deal with some uh, hot water heater issues. But uh, tell us a little bit about your lessons learned for Hobby Space Setup. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Just my couple of biggest things was uh, around Christmas, I got really psyched. I got storage cabinets up. Made myself a nice horseshoe kind of work table so I had a lot of space. And the one, uh, you know, I vented a spray booth right outside, got my compressor permanently at a spot, so all ready to go. The one thing that I drastically dropped the ball on was lighting. Man, and it's yeah. like, how important is just having nice lighting in a hobby space, huh? Yeah, I think a lot of us, we get suckered into all I'm going to need is this little, you know, ring light with a magnifying glass. And and no, you you need more than that. I, I had the same problem in my previous hobby space is that it was up against a wall. So all the lighting was behind you unless it was the ring light. And you, I just found myself that moving that light around just to even see, okay, which of these, you know, miniatures have dried, which ones are ready to be worked on. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, we got two photography I, I guess, guys on here. You should post up, like, give us some lighting. Well, I was going to say, Chris, Chris was lighting the lighting stuff. expert on his. I mean, Chris, yours was set up really nicely. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is now just think about um, when you go into lighting stuff, you want light to come from, basically think about it coming from 180 degrees around you. You don't want to be looking for the light. Um, I do know that, you know, when you paint a lot of, especially miniatures that are, have a human form instead of an airplane form, then you do get into trying to see zenithal shadows and trying to have directional lighting and that becomes kind of important, but you could pull a lot of that off just with the airbrush. You just, if you just point the airbrush, like a, like a light, I mean, you're going to get a zenithal highlight that that's like a light beam light goes in straight lines, paint goes in straight lines out of an airbrush. But, um, but yeah, it, it I find especially, and let's face it, we're all getting older. Um, I need as much light as I can possibly have on the area. And I use that's a, the embarrassing part. That's truly oh embarrassing. God, <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget five years ago holding the miniature there and I'm sitting there and I've got it like five inches in front of my face. And I'm, like, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. I, I can't see it. And she just goes, you're old. <laughs> Dude, do you remember I was sitting across your, your kitchen table there. We were, we were painting in Jacksonville. Yeah. 
And I'm like, yep. dude, I, I can't see the detail. You're like, shut up and borrow my reading glasses. I'm like, not nah, fuck you. I'm not borrowing your reading glasses. <laughs> hey, that's a that's a but yeah, that, that's a thing. Last time, uh, not last time, but recently, when I went to the eye doctor just for like a regular, you know, eye checkup or whatever, I was talking to the doctor and said, you know, is there anything I, you know, I spend a lot of time painting. And she says, tell me more. Turns out she's seen her husband are big gamers they play lots of tabletop miniature games like out of the box kind of games uh like mice and mystics and some other things that have little miniatures so she was totally into it wanted to know more about what i was talking about with this whole painting thing right so anyway i literally just so so what you had a nerd moment with your yeah, doctor that's right. let's just be that's honest right. there you had a ner- you got outed because you needed glasses and you had a nerd y- moment with yeah your doctor. it okay. was perfect because she totally related what i was trying to do so i literally showed her and she was very interested in this because i guess you know it made sense for what she needed to do for me but i said look i hold my brush like this and I hold my miniature like this about this far away from my face and I often struggle especially if I'm doing like a human figure of some kind uh, like a, a anyway a miniature like that versus airplanes not so much but where there's lots of detail it's tough sometimes and she said I've got the thing for you she gave me prescription basically just very powerful reading glasses that only work like at a very close yep. distance to my face and I use those when I paint and they're amazing especially if it's yeah. a, like a figure well, so so that. that's the thing that I learned that that my doc uh, kind of laughed at me about because I assumed like I needed one type of reading glasses, but it is literally a, a difference between a, a 1.5 and a 2.5 for what I use to just sit here and read my computer screens. But what I need to be able to see a miniature that is, you know, four inches from my face. <laughs> and I'll throw you. <laughs> and that's also yet, embarrassing. I'll, I'll throw you yet another twist on that. Have your eyes looked at when you're getting older. Because I had no idea until I went in and told an ophthalmologist what I do, you know, with painting miniatures. And he said, well, I need to look at some other things in your eyes. And they found I've got a hereditary stigmatism. My son has it. They both, he has glasses. My father has glasses. I've never worn glasses, but I have this latent stigmatism in my eye and it really shows up in my painting. I have one eye that doesn't focus in the same spot. And I needed reading glasses that were set up for my stigmatism. And ever since I got those, Finally, it's like I'm not fighting because I was I was going through just, you know, 20 of the freaking reading glasses, changing the number, changing this, changing that. I could never find something where my eyes didn't get tired after about 20 minutes until I went to the doctor, said, this is exactly what I do. This is where I need to focus at. And he looked at my eyes and made me a pair of glasses. They're the best glasses in the world. In fact, I don't wear them for anything else but painting. They stay in the case unless I'm painting. So, I mean, that's a big part of it. And, you know, I know we started with light, but glasses are huge. Magnifying is huge. But just back on the light subject, yes, you need lots of light. I mean, it's just, it's hard on your eyes. Uh, my, mo- my mom is a quilter, like a, an award-winning quilter, and she's getting older, much older. And you can get to the point where you can, you can dry your eyes so much by intently focusing that you're actually doing damage to them over time. So if you're not doing the right things, you're not putting the right amount of light on it, you're actually accelerating the use the the the, the damage that you're doing to your eyes. So definitely if if you think you're getting older, you need a lot of light and you need to have the doctor look at your eyes and get you something that works. So those are really important things. So moving on to things that our younger painters and hobbyists might care about. Yeah, we just ran we off like all the Jerry and anyone under the age of 45 was like I'm fucking out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a problem when I have to get up to go pee every 20 minutes. Uh yeah, so let's talk about something for the hobby uh, hobby layout. Now, Brett, you you've got an L shape. 
I was a huge linear desk kind of guy. Um, I, I lost track how many painting stations Chris had, so you really don't get a vote in this whole thing because having multiple stations doesn't count. Steve, linear or L shape? I I have a U I have a U so I've Ooh, got you're like a U shape yeah I'm a U shape guy man you're just a rebel you know yeah. <laughs> is that because you have more trash you haven't finished that is spread out throughout all your hobby space or well is ba- it, I uh, have I have a compartmentalized spot. I would say I have a I guess it would technically be like a usable L shape. And then I have all my 3D printers and stuff like that on the third side that makes up the U. So okay. I've got so, yeah, like so an- So that's not, not really yeah. workspace. It's production. I would say it's an L. I would say I have an L that one area is like where I can work and assemble stuff and glue stuff and you know that kind of deal. And then the other side of the L is like the airbrush uh, booth where I do a lot of my painting and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're going to laugh when I say this and, and Brett's probably, he, he knows how my- hobby space what a disaster it was the reason i liked having a linear space instead of an l was i have the worst hobby add possible and if i'm looking at miniatures to assemble at the same station that i'm painting at i don't know what i'm gonna do and i'm just gonna sit there and i'll paint a couple figures and go but no no i need to make those primaris marines you know or whatever so it was great for me to literally compartmentalize painting in one side of my my long linear desk and assembly on the other end um, and so things would kind of move in a linear fashion from being assembled down to the uh, the paint booth on the far the far right side. I have to separate my. Brett, stuff how does yours? I, I have to keep it sort of. Separate. Well, you have a closet of shame. You just keep yours in the closet. And yeah. Then it, then it gets assembled. I, I, it's true though. I have to kind of keep. I, I tend to get all my paints out for any given project and put them on the on the table, and I get you know the, all the sprues out for just the thing I'm working on. Any other. Uh, sprues i try to keep literally out of sight because you know if there's a space marine in the cubby that i can see that's only partially painted it's going to mock me the whole time i'm painting you know another 109 so i can't have that yeah well that that brings up a, a whole nother question um you know chris i know you also had some amazing display cases out there uh how do you guys organize your your in work stuff i mean because obviously we try to you know solve the problem and paint everything or assemble everything in one sitting, but it's not going to happen. Um, Steve, how do you kind of keep your organization there for for all your in work projects without it There's just being a pile? No of organization. It is just a pile. <laughs> Somehow of knowing one you, that project, doesn't surprise me. One project to the next, to the next, to the next, and then I find what happens is if the unfinished, if like the half finished projects sit around long enough. They wind up on the kids' craft table, and they get like half adult finished, half kid finished, and then I have a little bit of space that's, that I can start another project. Googly, yeah, that's <laughs> how you get googly-eyed Spitfires. Now I understand. Now it all makes sense. Um, Chris, what's your organization scheme for going from the stages of a project? How do you do that? I, I save the boxes for my miniatures, especially like the the GW size boxes. Those even you know ones that are really old that haven't you know they're just disposed boxes and i will take if i if i get add and i move to something else i will take everything i'm working on stick it in a box and i've got a shelf that it's just like it's just the projects that i'm not then i never then i never see it again so i started i I started doing that and i found i had to put it in transparent plastic containers and even then i still literally would have a stack of four of them one of with which with like a half-built freaking, uh, you know, uh, drop ship, one with some half-built Primaris and, yeah. and half-built, you know, various I've, armies. And 
and I, I have to keep it on the table. If I don't keep it on the table, it does not get completed. It gets forgotten about intentionally. I, so I got to I got to ask a question. I was actually just having this conversation with my dad maybe a week or two ago because he he's always been real big on scale models and uh, all growing up he was doing models and everything. And just in past we had the conversation out of all the scale models or bolt action boxes or plane boxes, all that stuff that gets sold, what percentage of those boxes do you think actually get seen to completion? Is it more than 25%? I don't think so. I know. And that's based on Brett's closet of shame, Brett and Chris. So my, <laughs> my two best hobby friends that I have walked into their closets of shame and said, Oh my God, it's bigger than all the models I have on my table. Well, in my case, none <laughs> so, of it's none of it's opened or you know, I haven't started any of it. It's just didn't Yeah, you haven't even started it, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Chris was no different. Chris, how how big was your Warhammer Fantasy Battle, you know, closet of shame? It's it's all been sold except for one army. So, but yeah, it was pretty bad. Um and and I was one of those guys that was playing it all the way up until he nuked the old world, and then I was like I, I didn't have the heart to go back to it. They broke me. So um, I, I sold <laughs> off everything except the one army that I have that's well-painted that I really like. And I finally just divested myself of all of it. But yeah, it's I, it's not, it's bad. I mean, it's just bad. I've got a 20-gallon tote of Forge World resin. So oh, I mean- oh, So I was about to say, that's that's the funny thing is if you look at the more expensive models I have, I have a higher percentage of painted- warlord models than of more expensive aim and more expensive rock printed ones and it's and it's funny i i don't understand that and i and i know why some of them because they were they were projects that were very specific so like i've got some some old fairy battles i've got um uh you know some some aircraft that were older world war ii ones that are in there and then i've got a bunch of vietnam stuff that oh yeah what do you know hmm, yeah no brs vietnam so all my vietnam stuff is still in the same box so i literally have a tote full of aim resin for all this stuff not even primed not even not even the screw posts broken off and a and a ball bearing put on there um so yeah and so that's the expensive stuff yet i have almost all of my spitfires painted and i have almost all of my uh you know all the all the cheap plastic ones uh for Morlord. so it's hilarious but i've got no i find there. if i have a dead i find if i, I have was- a deadline Hard deadline, I get stuff done, right? So, like, I knew I needed to have my P51s done for Gathering of Eagles. Got them done. You know, I find if I have that deadline, I will see it through. If I don't have a deadline, I have, like, 60 projects started, and they never get finished. Yeah, well, I've found I've done a lot better since I got into games like Blood Red Skies or games like Necaronda, where you're talking – six models on the table at one time maybe maybe you know if you're getting crazy eight or nine so i've done a lot better since i've gotten into that since i've gotten away from the horde army type games where you're building you know two thousand three thousand point big armies i've done a lot better with controlling myself and getting done what i'm starting six airplanes that's a weekend i can knock those out in a weekend so it's the army builds that kill you um is what i've found so that's one of the reasons why you know with this big move i've tried to tried to get smaller i was like okay we're just going to get into blood red skies and some squad size stuff um kind of get away from building the huge armies here for a little while until i've got more time and more space so that definitely helps too so blood red skies lends itself to being painted quicker than a lot of things 
All right, let's talk about some other gear. Brett, I know you had a uh, an idea about chairs. Who who cares about your ass, man? I don't care if you have, you know, freaking hemorrhoids. Tell me about chairs. Well, I, I'm hoping I'll get some real solid time in, and I want to. Uh, besides a really good quality light, I, I plan on dropping some scratch on a good light. But I also want to, you know, spend some good money to get a a really good chair. So that's comfortable and stuff when I'm in there doing a the thing. So I've seen some recommendations online for, from other painters that I appreciate. So I'm going to look into that once I get uh, ready to start. Such that. as what, what are they recommending for styles? I mean, what is it that they have armrests, no armrests, you I know, think that, massaging? No, <laughs> what kind of chairs are we talking I, about? I, I think predominantly what I've seen have, have been gaming chairs. Um, I'm trying, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, one of the guys that I used to watch a lot of his videos, painting tutorials, is it uh, Vince? I can't remember his last name. It's, I'm drawing a blank. Paints a lot of Warhammer stuff. Uh, anyway, he had a whole episode talking about his chair, and it's like this big purple and white. You know, I can see it in all his videos, but it's a gaming chair, I think, and it's just, you know, comfortable for what we do. And I've heard other painters make recommendations about the chairs you see them in and their tutorials and stuff like, yeah, man, this is a good chair. I'm in it eight hours a day. Get you a good chair. I don't think Steve has chairs in Ice Station Zebra down there. I mean, every time it seems like he's lounging on the couch every time he's down there. No, Steve, my, what do you in use my hobby chair? space, my actually uh, for, for Christmas, my wife bought me like a nice, uh, like it was kind of like an office chair, but it's like pub table height. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, that's yeah, what, that's I, like what I used it. to have for mine. I like it. And you know, it has armrests. I never had one with armrests before, but I'm really digging the armrests to get that little bit of support where you can kind of like brace your arms in against like between kind of like your body and the armrest and get like a real steady base to paint. Yeah. I didn't think the chair battered, but she, yeah, she came through with that one. Absolutely. I was pretty happy with the one I had and it was just like a Staples or Office Max or whatever buy, but it was pub height because I had obviously a countertop height area and now I'll have a pub height table as my my main table in there but uh you know it has the armrest as well and so when you're trying to get that very fine detail brush work that was super easy for me to lock my elbows in on the on the armrest and not feel like I was leaning over on the desk you know moving the light around so whatever we'll, we'll see you know we'll see what really happens to my uh my workspace upstairs uh when it finally gets finished in 12 years. Uh, but, uh, but hopefully, you know, I'll still have the same counter height area and, uh, and some workspace there to, to, to use that style of chair, that style of table. But, you know, more importantly, at least for me is learning that I had to compartmentalize my gaming space from my hobby space. Um, and I know Brett, last time you were up, uh, in South Carolina with the way I had it set up, you know, it was, it was a little difficult because you have hobby on one side, you turn around, you got the gaming table on the other. Uh, but, but when I do that, all my hobby stuff tends to migrate onto the gaming area. You know, all of a sudden, rather than having a, a four by four table, I've now got a two by two table because there's, you know, a couple other square feet taken up with extra models or things that I've laid out there, projects that I've started. So I've learned to really kind of put them on opposite ends of the room because then my hobby creep won't hit my gaming area. So we'll, we'll see how that survives. One of the things that worked for me in my last hobby space, I had this cheap cubby. It was just a you know, it's probably something from Target or something. It was, I don't know how to describe it, but it had little cube spaces that you could put baskets or something in. And it's probably the kind of thing maybe you'd put in a kid's playroom or in their closet and you could stuff little baskets full of shoes or whatever and get all that stuff out of the way. Well, I had one of those just within reach from my painting space, just to my right. 
And uh, that was a handy spot to put things, be it books that I had that or printouts for, um, you know, uh, uh, guides for the camouflage ski maybe that I was doing or where the markings went. Right. You know, all that, all that right. stuff was easy in reach, but it was kind of put away and not on my painting top my painting table so that that yeah. space at least yeah. was fairly clear. Uh, the thing I got to figure out is where to put all my pots of paint. I, my last solution was I had some inexpensive acrylic. Um, I think they were for like nail salons, nail polish yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 Nail yeah. polish. That, that's exactly what I used. And it was, it was perfect for me because it, it allowed me to slide my racks back under the shelves where my camera gear was because I had you know these little 12 inch shelves that had had camera stuff so I could slide it back under there hobby area was clear pull the, the paints back out use them when I needed to um, but I, yeah I'm also I'm not sure that that's going to work in the in the next iteration of what I have what are you thinking about transitioning I've to seen, some of the nice MDF yeah, ones yeah I've seen some pretty nice looking MDF ones they might be a little spendy and I have a piece of one I, I, have, I have like a corner piece uh, for probably part of a system that could cover an entire desk. I have like one little corner piece that I assembled. I'm pretty, pretty sure it was from Vallejo. So it certainly fits their pots, but it's not universal. It won't full, it won't hold every type of pot I have. And so that's a little like not ideal, but I need, I, I think with some Steve, research. Steve's laughing to himself right now. And I know exactly what's going through your mind, Steve, go ahead and say it. <laughs> no, no, you know, the paint, the issue with the paint rack thing, right. Is, I feel like the really, really nice paint racks, then all of a sudden your paints are stored and they look really nice, but they're taking up like a ton of space on the desk where like the cheaper ones keep the bottles and stuff closer together so they give you a more workable space, but then it just looks like a mess of paints on it. Yeah, I, the paint storage is something I got to figure out. What, what I like is a combination of two different types of acrylic ones, and this is what you saw in my basement in Michigan, Doug when, and Brett, when you guys were there. They make these vertical um acrylic ones for holding nail polish polished um paints also so i use a combination of them. i've got two of the vertical ones that hold all the paints that i'm not using and they're beautifully displayed they only stick out about an inch and a half from the wall they're right up against the wall and then i have two of the the 90 degree ones that are kind of tiered and i drop the paints down that i'm using currently onto those tiered racks is the way that I, that's the system I came up with that worked really well. You push so, everything so up on the let's, wall. Let's manage, hold on, let's manage expectations here. Yeah. So let's describe literally how many bottles of paint <laughs> that's what were I'm in your downstairs, not upstairs, just downstairs painting downstairs. area. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So yeah, it, it was, was ridiculous. It was, so, it was probably <laughs> three to 400 bottles of paint, easy. So plus, yeah, yeah. So was, I, was, I know I will never have that much paint on the wall. Bottles. And then I had three of the tiered ones that were all GW paint. So, cause I had all the GW and yeah. So, so I just laugh because every time you say, well, you know, you can set it up like me. I'm like, I don't have that much wall space. Well, I, I do, but that, that brings me to the next point. Uh, display, because display is as much a part of our hobby, I think, as the actual hobby and the gaming and everything else. And and display cases are kind of like opinions and other things. Uh, you know, everyone has their own way of wanting to do it. 
Um, I know for me, it's a huge part of what's going to be right behind my hobby space because my goal is if I can set a workflow that things move from assembly table to hobby table to display case, then I'll feel like I'm accomplishing something, not them going back in the closet and into more fighter foam never to be seen again, you know, because otherwise I'm totally screwed that way. For the dollar, probably the best display case out there is the Dell Tough case from Ikea. It's, I think they run $90. They're 18 inches by Those 18 inches. Those are awesome. I put my five. Space Marines just, in them. I'm and, just telling and you, man. I can put my plastic Thunderhawk in there. I, I don't own them. I don't own them. I know everybody that I know in the hobby when where I was in Michigan that did Warhammer, and that's what they put their stuff in. I went out because I have several Horde armies that I wanted on display, and I just bit the bullet. I dropped $400 with a, with a display company that makes jewelry cabinets. And that was that big, huge crystal freaking case that you saw down there in the room. It's it that one's it's four and a half feet wide. It's 18 inches deep and it's six feet tall and it's got five shelves. And then I had to do the LED lighting because, yeah. Yeah, the same thing. Brett, what was yours? Yours was an Ikea one, right? Yeah, I had a couple Ikea ones, but my current space, uh, you know, I never had my display cases in my hobby room. They were up in the game room. I don't have a game room now. So it looks like I'm going to squeeze one of my two cases into the hobby space and Gavin's going to adopt the other one for like toys and stuff in his room. So I think a lot of my things are going to remain in storage, which I'm very grateful for foam now. But um, I, I think I, I can't do that. I, then there's there's no enjoyment for me. Yeah. Is, and that's big, my biggest frustration is I have in my current non-existent office. Uh, all of my Blood Red Skies miniatures, even those that I've not painted that Trevor has done a wonderful job for, uh, those are in foam. And so I don't see them. I, I don't see my, uh, you know, the hurricanes he did. I don't see the Avengers that he did. And I had the Avengers just sitting out on top of one of my bookcases for a while because I genuinely like looking at these miniatures. Um, you know, uh, Steve, what's your uh, what's your display plan? I have... No display. I'm kind of like you. Everything kind of goes in the box, but I'm actually, I'm actually really excited. So we have uh, the downstairs basement is kind of like the family area, and I have my little workshop down there in the side of it. Uh, we actually, over this next year, uh, we actually have an attic also that's just storage. So we're actually going to go up there and insulate it and get some air conditioning. It's a heat up there. And the upstairs attic is actually going to become kind of like a gaming space slash reading nook for the kids. Kind of, kind of like an actual space where like we can play games and not have to like put it away for dinner. We can work on a puzzle and not have to like not eat dinner until we finish the puzzle. Steve, you know, that kind you, of stuff. You are, you are failing. The goal was to convince the family to move to Florida. The nicer you make that house there, the least likely you are to actually move to Florida. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Well, you got to pick, you got to pick your battles, I guess. Right. <laughs> Oh, oh! You build a you build a gaming space like that. You have planted the flag, my friend. We'll we'll just go ahead and buy you a plot in the local cemetery. No, <laughs> you guys I'll, are never I'll still leaving. get a house in Florida too. We'll we'll get a house down there too. We'll we'll move down there for the winters. Just to harass Brett. Um, well, so, so the funny thing for me, and and for those of you that are also cooking show fans and have ever watched uh, Alton Brown on Good Eats. I hate unitaskers. And, and so what's a unitasker? A display case is a unitasker. All a display case is good for is showing off miniatures. So my problem has been 
I keep picking up furniture that has display area and kind of some hidden storage space underneath it. And Brett, you saw the the low uh, kind of credenza style returns I had that the upper half was glassed in so I could LED light that, made a nice uh, display case area. But it had room for me to cram literally part of my closet of shame. You know, everything that was a series of, of Primaris sprues stuck together, old old Space Marine sprues that I could put in bins that were still sorted for hobby work, but put under there. So I would, in a sense, it was a way for me to shame myself so that as I would open and go take out some miniatures, put them in a case to go play 40K, I'd go, oh yeah, look at all that stuff for Death Watch that I still haven't assembled. Or, oh, look at all that Primera stuff I bought from the first Primaris box set I still haven't assembled. So in my mind, I have to, I have to both have the, the miniatures I play with alongside kind of a reminder of all the shit I have yet to do. Because if, if mine sits in a closet of doom, it will never get touched. Uh, and I now know that about myself with a couple of my early on 40K projects I got into back when Chris and I were first going to Adepticon that I still haven't even painted a fully assembled tank. You know, a, a, an old, um, I guess it was an old Predator, one of the old Rogue Trader era Predators, still not painted. So uh, yeah, I need to keep that stuff in the forefront of my mind or I'll, I'll lose track of it. Yeah, that's that's why you need kids. They can slap a fifty cent bottle of Aperol paint on on an eighty dollar to me a model in like an hour. It's no problem. I was yeah. about to say They'll this, this finely finely crafted rare Rogue Trader era Predator. Yeah, I probably should just let your kids paint it because it'll get done. And otherwise, otherwise it's still going to be in white primer from this. You know, the last time I looked at it. What do you guys think about paint shakers? I'm thinking about one of those for shaking the pots. Those old pots I have that have been in storage for seven months now. I bought one and I absolutely love it. Um, get one secondhand. That's a test tube shaker. That's the best way to do it there. You can find them online, especially on eBay where they're like recertified and they're, they're pretty cheap. Uh, I think there's actually a couple companies that are coming out with ones that are more designed for hobby paints. They've got just a, like a different, different rubber stopper on the top. Cause the one that the most of them come with now are set up for test tubes for agitating test tubes, but those things are worth their weight in gold. Uh, first time I encountered one was at Wargame camp about three years ago and have owned one ever since Henry Steele brought his all the way from the UK when he was teaching us to paint. And it really does. It, it, it just, you can't, it, it agitates paint so freaking well. I mean, it, you can you can bring back a lot of paints that you think have completely settled with a good paint shaker. Well, the good news is once we beat the Delta variant, Moderna and Pfizer will be having a fire sale on uh, t test tube spinners, right? <laughs> okay, there's my pandemic joke for the day. <laughs> Brett's not laughing. He's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> I wanted to tell you guys a little story about how I chose the room that's going to be the paint room. It's kind of funny. Was it, it feng shui? Was it? Was it? Was it was, nah, did you have to actually, you know, figure out what the spirits were telling you, know, you? It was this simple. So there's three bedrooms on that side of the house. I could have had any one of them. Two of them have carpet. One has hard floor. Have you ever? So you're saying you're messy. Have you? Have you ever? Have you ever <laughs> dropped a, a tiny piece of sprue in your carpet? And you're like, no. <laughs> Dude, that, that isn't the worst. That that isn't the worst. You're losing parts of the sprue down there, and I know that. Uh, that Chris knows this from, from all his resin work he's done. Green stuff in carpet. Green stuff does not come out of carpet at Ever. all. You're Ever. just going to end up cutting that chunk out. I, I took <laughs> I took the foot out of a pair of Sean's pantyhose and put it over the end of like the crevice tool on the vacuum cleaner and was 
going around on my hands and knees trying to find like the little the little piece that I dropped on some space marine or whatever it was. That's awesome. That's happened. So yeah, I've got the hard floor now. That may not happen as much anymore. No, the, yeah. the other yeah, thing I'm too, gonna have hard floor upstairs. Vinyl plank flooring. If you do drop acrylic paint on it, or you drop acrylic based freaking washes that type of stuff on it, it comes off. It scrubs right off. A little yeah. bit of alcohol, and it comes Man. right off. I know, I know people have different, you know, pet rocks about flooring, but I've, having installed vinyl plank flooring in a house up in Kentucky that was in our family, and that's just, it, everything wipes off of it. Um, you know, I've, I've got that in a couple of places up at the farm. Vinyl plank is the way to go in a hobby space. I mean, sure, if you have ceramic tile already down there, sure, whatever, knock yourself out. But when your paint gets in the grout, then guess what? <laughs> you're, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, vinyl plank is super easy. So let's kind of wrap this up. I, I know we talked about we were going to possibly talk some debrief. We were going to talk a little bit about you know uh, some things going on in the ready room, a uh, a rumbling of tight turn versus great climb. Uh, and I just want to say to all of you that think great climb is a worthwhile card, you're a bunch of fucking idiots. Uh, tight turn is actually the, the game winning card. Yeah, let's Brett, do wrong. this, man. I want to so, come on. I, I think it I needs to be like a throwdown. It I, does, I, and I. And I I, I say that not joking at all. I am dead serious. It needs to be a tabletop sim throwdown. Put your money where your mouth is. I mean, and it's like Maverick versus Viper, like right here. It, Let's it is. Do Every, it. Everyone has said it's the it's the traits out of the core basic Battle of Britain set, and it's the showdown of you know tight turn versus great climb. So let's do it. So so get on there and you know make Steve eat his words. Show him that Great Climb is in fact a much superior card. I don't think anyone has no, the balls and to do it. We're going we're going bare bones rules, right? Because we're just testing yeah. traits. We're, we're not we're testing not crazy combinations. No doctrines. Yeah, no doctrines, no. no traits, none of this bullshit. Just trait cards. Yes. We just want to find out which is the better. A skill and level two four. Perfect skill yeah, four, four, two, two three. three, three, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Let's so it's super simple. A absolutely. And I, I think Brett, of course, is, is sitting there just fuming because he's thinking about how many games he got the absolute shit beat out of him by tight-turning Spitfires. Brett, what's, what's your Look, call? I, I, saw, I saw a lot of the chat thread or whatever about great climb versus tight turn. <clears throat> and I think in, in, in a, all the games we've played, Steve has had an interesting way to counter Great Climb. And I almost don't want to give it away. Like, I think maybe we should just talk about it offline. But anyway, if you're using Great Climb, or if, let me think this through. There's a way your opponent can essentially turn off your Great Climb by making other choices during their pilot action, which in a sense can nullify some of the advantage Great Climb has. Yeah, so I will answer one of the immediate comments that was there because people keep saying, hey, if your enemy never gets to advantage, um, then he never really gets the benefits of tight turn. Well, here's the first fucking problem. If you're not playing bounced, there is no excuse for not being advantaged. Bounced is the only scenario where you ever should end up as something other than advantaged. And even then, even then, if you survive the first turn, <laughs> there's no excuse for not being advantaged. Well, the other issue with it is too, right, is with tight turn, you do not have to burn advantage to turn. So if you're playing you. somebody with tight turn and they're burning advantage to turn, they're just dumb. 
That's the yeah, advantage yeah. of tight turn. That's what changes it. You don't ever have to burn advantage to turn your airplane. So, so here's here's the thing we'll have to do. And, I, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say everybody needs to get in there in tabletop sim. Basic Battle of Britain set. Just basic traits. No, no doctrines, no theaters, no aces. You know, a single four, two threes, and a two. And just hammer it out. And just let's see what the the sheer numbers of people playing shows. Because I really think there is some very insular meta, both between the UK and the US. And in the US, tight turn is dominating. And people people can shrug it off, whatever you want to say, but people have prepared for two years for GOE events, and tight turn has dominated two out of the top three fighters every single time. Well, the other the other killer, and this isn't this isn't really a trade card thing, but if you're just talking starter set, th- you're splitting your trade cards in half. So if you're taking four planes, you're getting two great dives on a speed seven plane, which is essentially useless. Where you're getting four yeah, tight turns exactly. on a Spitfire, right? So and, the, so and, that, and that that to me right there, I'm too. I am curious if there are Spitfire players going up against 109 E's, and you're getting your ass beat. Melt your models down. Just melt them down. Take your cards. Build a fire in the backyard. Put put all your little boom chips no, don't and burn zoom the cards. chips in there. Send to, the cards to somebody. Yeah. We want the cards. Don't send burn the, the cards. Yeah, exactly. We want the cards. Send the cards to somebody who will use them. No, melt your models, dude, because you're a single trait, tight turn aircraft. I heard. I heard. I heard. I got the impression. I don't know if this is accurate, but my takeaway after reading some of the chat was like, yeah, great climb in that box set is advantage over the tight turn guys. So, you know, nobody's prepared to believe that tight turn is better than great climb. And in my head, I heard Steve saying, get good. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Play more games, dude. Play more games. You know, if you are getting your ass beat flying Spitfires, you need to play more. Or you, or you need to go back and take a look at how the rules work. And I'm not saying that just to be a jerk. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not. That The understanding that Steve and Brett and I and Chris and everybody have gone through and Trevor in, in figuring out that, that the game is all about turning. It isn't about burning advantage. When you burn advantage, you're giving something up, dude. And if you can do what you need to do by turning, then there's nothing the enemy can do. To defeat you. Well, it, it just, it really is a foregone conclusion. In our own defense too, most, the the vast majority of the games Steve and I have played together have been box set games. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think more importantly, a lot of people keep talking about using outmaneuver and beating somebody down, but that is thinking about one airplane. That's, that's thinking about great climb versus one tight turner. And the problem is, hey, that's great, man. You knocked my pilot skill two down. While you're doing that and while you're using outmaneuver as your pilot action, the rest of the guys are coming around on you and they're tight turning. And then God forbid they have aggressive tactics. So um, we can so stream well this, right? Up. Like we should be able to set this up that we could like stream it and do, right? This oh yeah, be a good deal. absolutely. I, I think this is, uh, we might call it celebrity deathmatch. That might be what it is. Now I'll tell you what's going to happen though. Cause for like, for like two months, we were talking about tournaments. I was getting all excited. And the day of the tournament, Doug pulls me out of it. So is this going to be another one of those so, deals so where... Don't don't let me be the TO. I've already fucked up and I can't be any worse of a TO. So I'm not going to be the TO for this. So guaranteed. Uh, so I'm done TOing. Uh, that's why I'm trying to basically cancel every other tournament I'm supposed to do. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. Do you guys play it on our system and we'll stream it? Man, I just keep thinking about this. This is the whole reason why F seemed like such a big advantage when I jumped from E's to F. So you remember that, Steve? 
Like I felt like, I, yeah, it was a, yeah, I had an embarrassment of riches all of a sudden when I stepped up to F's. Yeah, that's why. Because anyway, anyway, that's that's a whole nother discussion for more cards and play style and strategy stuff. Uh, well, let's wrap this up real quick, Brett. Anything uh, you want to throw back out for either hobby space or stuff you've been working on, or anything to leave the listeners with tonight? Good lights, a good chair for your ass, and get a hard floor. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, any lessons learned besides don't have a hobby space where you have a hot water heater? No, I just want to see uh I mean Brett right now has like the fresh start, right? So we should see yeah. some like almost kind of like little HGTV transformation blog about his <laughs> his hobby space coming together, right? That, well, there you go. You, you threw the gauntlet down. So Lead Pursuit apparently needs to uh, document all of our hobby space transformations. You know, I don't know what the name of that show is besides sad 40-year-old men in their basement. <laughs> Pimp My Paint Room. Yeah, exactly. Pimp My Paint Room. There you go. That's the new, uh, that's our new YouTube channel. We might just have to do that. Chris, anything uh, leaving the listeners besides the fact that we all hate you because you're going to Germany and you're going to be eating schnitzel and drinking good beer? Uh, and the three of you have a whitelist freaking invitation to come over to the house that we're getting. So um, hate me all you want. Come over and eat some schnitzel and drink some beer. <laughs> you won't hate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly, brother. Well, awesome. Well, hey, I'm, I'm actually glad we got to have you back on the uh the podcast before you took off. I mean, you're, you're definitely still a member of the lead pursuit team, but we hadn't had you on in so long. I was afraid you were going to escape to, uh, to Europe before we were uh, able to all be close to the same time zone. Well, I'm stuck here for six more weeks without the fam. So um, I'm, I'm actually just here with my, my youngest son to get him settled at the university of Alabama before I take off. That's the reason I stayed behind. So um, I will probably be on a couple more podcasts before um, I actually pull. No, you, you stayed behind to, to game with me, to drink beer and to go shoot I, firearms. I, I, I know I the real I reasons. Did. Don't I lie. I did. I did. Don't tell my yeah, wife. Hopefully we'll get together. Uh, German yeah, don't tell your wife. <laughs> <laughs> life here sucks honey i'm sorry uh well awesome well hey for everybody out there listening uh lead pursuit is back sorry we've taken so long to uh get our shit in one sock um but we've been a bunch of train wrecks so we'll be back send us some topics you want us to discuss i know there's some aircraft we want to talk about uh some of you have already bent my ear and said more history less gaming well you can just go fuck off uh so <laughs> we'll get around to talking about history when we've run out of gaming topics to talk about um, and obviously, I've got a lot of games that are on the table to be played and to be worked through. So hopefully talk a little bit about 8th Air Force, 20th Air Force, and some of the other uh, aerial war games that we've picked up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, be sure to go out there and rate us on iTunes and all the other podcast services. We will talk to you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>